Tere, and welcome to History of Estonia podcast, episode 30, The Revolution of 1905. I am your host, William Parsley. In this episode, we learn how the Estonian political parties tried to take advantage of the Russian Revolution of 1905 to either gain independence for Estonia or at least greater freedom from the Russian Tsar. In the middle of the 1890s, the pressure of Russification began to weaken and the national movement came to life again. Whereas earlier, the main supporters of national ideals had been the country intelligentsia and peasants, now the towns became the centers of the movement. Patriotic appeals and slogans demanding social freedom and political rights began to appear. The new rise of the national movement started in Tartu, led by Jan Tunison. In 1896, Karl August Hermann, the editor of the first Estonian-language daily newspaper, Postimes, left his post. In order not to let business circles with little interest in the national question take over the newspaper, the leaders of the national movement, Willem Reimann, Oskar Kallas and Heinrich Koppel bought Postimes and asked Jan Tunnison to become the paper's new editor. Jan Tunnison was born in Viljandi region in the family of a freehold farmer. He graduated from the Faculty of Law of Tartu University, was the elected head of the Estonian Student Society worked in the editorial offices of Postimes, and then went to work as a law officer in Russia. After returning to Tartu, he joined nationalist members of the Estonia intelligentsia at Postimes, including August Kitzberg, Karl August Hendry, Peter Puld, Anton Jurgensen, and others. Jan Tunnison gave the development of national self-consciousness top priorities among his activities and opposed both Russification and Germanization. He therefore had to conduct a media war against Otto Grenstein, who preached Russification. In the struggle with Postimes, Grenstein remained alone and had to leave the country. Tunnison's demands for Estonian language education created a conflict with those who supported the establishment of Russian state schools in Estonia. Tunnison's conflict with the Baltic Germans was aggravated by the fear that the latter of losing their power as Estonian national feelings kept growing. Tunnison opposed the political and economic privileges of Baltic Germans and demanded equal rights for Estonians. When he was elected to the town council of Tartu in 1902, Tunnison became an undesirable person for the town government, which consisted mainly of Baltic Germans. In the general mood of those days, when Estonian intellectuals very often spoke German, not only in social circles, but at home, the promotion of national self-esteem in Postimes had a refreshing effect. To an example, Tennyson and his supporters demonstratively spoke Estonian in public. The higher society considered 
that to be a violation of the norms of proper behavior. But soon, using Estonian in public became quite common. In the wider political arena, in respect of the Russian Empire, Europe, and the world, the post-image circles remained reserved. They considered over-ambitious behavior dangerous for a little nation. In the struggle where national ideals were of the highest importance, Postimace found support from Estonian intellectuals, prosperous farmers, and the urban bourgeoisie. At the same time, they forgot about the poorer classes, workers, and landless peasants. They did not notice the social antagonism increasing the split in Estonian society. They looked at the Estonian nation as a homogenous entity having joint interests. Tennyson denied the class struggle calling it a plant imported from abroad that could not become domesticated in Estonia. Overlooking that essential aspect gave rise to the development of the more radical wing of the national movement. The Radicals of Tallinn. In 1901, a competitor for Postimace started to appear in Tallinn in the form of the daily paper Teataya, or The Herald. This was founded and edited by Konstantin Patz. Konstantin Patz was born in Pernu region, in the family of a farmer. He studied at a theological seminary, graduated from the Faculty of Law at Tartu University, and was employed as a lawyer's assistant in Tallinn. He brought together young Estonian intellectuals at his newspaper, including the lawyers Jan Temat and Mikkel Pung, and the writers Edward Wilde and Anton Hansen Tamsare. Unlike Tunison, the Tallinn nationalists considered the promotion of nationalist ideas as being of the same importance as economic and political struggle. They found that the national feelings of Estonians were feeble because of their harsh economic situation. Therefore, the economic situation of Estonians were the first thing to be improved. That, in turn, required the removal of the Baltic Germans from the Estonian economy and politics. In order to be successful, it was necessary to take part in big politics. In cooperation with the Russian democratic movement, improvement could be achieved through reforms throughout Russia. It was by cooperation with Russians that the first serious victory was achieved, something the Tartu nationalists had not managed. The 1904 elections to the town council of Tallinn were won by an Estonian-Russian coalition, which allowed them to replace the Germans in the town government. A good example had been set earlier when, in 1901, a coalition of Estonians and Latvians won elections in Volga. The Teatia group did not deny the existence of social div division and a class struggle in Estonia. They even considered that class struggle was necessary. That attitude was quite natural in the poorer area of northern Estonia and industrial Tallinn. Therefore, Teatia found support among Estonian intellectuals and the urban bourgeoisie as well as the North Estonian peasants and industrial workers. 
Among the latter, even more radical ideas soon began to spread. Social democratic ideas started to spread in Estonia at the end of the 19th century. Disseminated mainly by intellectuals, including the lectures of Tartu University, at first the theoretical ideas did not find any application in practice. The real activities were partly initiated by the policy of those in power in St. Petersburg, who used to send socialist cot in the big centers of Russia to quiet provinces for penance. Thus, a number of revolutionary workers arrived in Tallinn and rebellious students in Tartu. During the first years of the 20th century, support groups of the Russian Socialist Democratic Workers' Party, or the RSDWP, emerged in all the bigger towns of Estonia. Tallinn, Tartu, Narva, Pernu, Volga, and elsewhere. The Social Democrats operated illegally. They organized secret meetings and distributed illegal leaflets and books, which added romanticism to the movement and brought many young people into the RSDWP. The Workers' Party naturally found numerous supporters among workers. The first Estonian socialist belonged to the RSDWPs, which operated on the international basis. In 1903, the development of Estonian social democracy started when the newspaper, Udised, or News, first appeared in Tartu. Peter Speck was one of the founders and editors of the paper. Supported by Mikkel Martina and the brothers Gottlieb and Karl Ast, many intellectuals contributed to the paper, for instance, Edward Wilde. The groups gathering at the Udised considered it necessary to replace the autocratic regime with a democratic republic, where all civil rights were respected. Unlike Russian socialists, they also demanded respect for the rights of ethnic minorities. The fear of losing national identity did not allow them to join with the RSDWP. They found supporters among radically-minded young people, intellectuals, and workers. At the beginning of the 20th century, it became clear that modernization of Estonian society was hindered by the outdated political conditions. At a time when people had become aware of their national identity and their ability to act, power was still centralized in the hands of officials appointed by the absolute autocrat, the Russian Tsar. These were mainly people who were Russia-minded and spoke only Russian, kept their own interest in mind above all, and followed orders blindly. They did not care about the welfare of the people. The local people had their say only at parish level. In Estonia, as elsewhere in the empire, the principal civil rights were absent. Freedom of speech, freedom of press, religious liberty, freedom of association, etc. In the developed Western European countries, those rights were more or less guaranteed, and certainly the more alert Estonians 
considered establishment of those rights essential. There were great contradictions in the rural areas, where the supremacy of the Baltic German nobility had remained unchanged. The situation of landless peasants was especially difficult because they were also in conflict with the Estonian freehold farmers. In towns, social differences increased between the wealthy bourgeoisie and the factory workers. The long working day and low wages of the latter hardly allowed for a decent life. There was no chance to change anything because trade unions and strikes were forbidden. Society badly needed profound reform. As the central government did not take any measures to improve the situation, a social explosion, a revolution, was inevitable. It was accelerated by the war against Japan in 1904-1905, in which Russia was defeated. Thousands of Estonians were recruited to take part in the war. Memoranda were also compiled by the Estonian national parties, which were still at the stage of formation. The Postimace group were campaigning for a general franchise and more extensive use of the Estonian language, as well as conservative land reform that would leave private ownership untouched. They stated that the changes had to be legal and warned against violence and the overwhelming enthusiasm for Russian matters. The intellectuals who had gathered at the Teatia demanded establishment of constitutional monarchy in Russia, civil rights and reforms to local government, education, the church, and the courts, which would give Estonians more opportunities for activity. Teatia was also used by Estonian Social Democrats to publish their appeals. In the eyes of the authorities, that turned Konstantin Potts into the leader of the revolutionary movement. A strike of Russian railwaymen that started in October and spread all over Russia was soon joined by the workers in Tallinn. Work stopped in factories and businesses and workshops, schools and several public offices were closed. The demand by radical orators to take up arms was followed by massive burglaries in the gun shops of Tallinn. Some groups of workers did not miss the chance to break into liquor stores as well. The streets of the town filled up with crowds of factory workers who sang revolutionary songs and held meetings. The governor of Estonia was requested to free political prisoners and to withdraw the troops from the streets of Tallinn. To support these claims, a mass meeting was convened at the New Market on 16 October. Although the governor had not forbidden the meeting, a military unit opened fire on the people who had gathered. A total of 94 people were killed, and more than 200 were wounded and injured. The news that troops in St. Petersburg had opened fire on participants of a peaceful demonstration on 9 January 1905 whose aim had been to hand over a petition to the Tsar, triggered revolutionary events everywhere in Russia. In Estonia, the first to react were the workers of Tallinn. They organized strikes, held meetings, demanded improvement of economic and political situation, and clashed with the police. 
From Tallinn, the workers' movement spread to other towns, especially Narva. The students in Tartu joined the revolutionary movement. They disrupted their studies and joined the revolution of the students in Russia. During spring and summer, the movement kept spreading, gradually involving new layers of society. Following the example of the workers, farmhands also started strikes. They refused to work as long as their living conditions were not improved. There were some cases where manorial property was destroyed. At the same time, the struggle in the towns became more serious. Strikes took place more frequently, and violence was applied to the hated foremen and directors. The number of conflicts with police and troops increased. At a big midsummer meeting in Tallinn, speakers who had traveled from St. Petersburg called the workers to start an armed struggle in order to overthrow the autocratic government. The majority of the population held more conservative views. Therefore, the most popular form of revolutionary movement was to draw up petitions to be handed over to the authorities. Under pressure from the increasing revolutionary movement, Tsar Nicholas II signed a manifesto on 17 October that promised to assemble the representative body of Russian people, the Duma, and to guarantee civil liberties, including the right to establish political organizations. Making use of the Tsar's concession, Jan Tunison established the first legal party in Estonia, the Estonian National Progressive Party, in November. This was a liberal democratic reformist party, which on general questions shared the view of the Russian constitutional democrats and considered the most suitable form of government to be a constitutional parliamentary monarchy. For Estonia, they claimed the right of national self-determination and an increase in the landed property of the peasants from state and church land. The party enjoyed its biggest influence in Tartu and southern Estonia. The Teatayat circle in Tallinn also attempted to create an Estonian party, but later developments of events did not allow them to realize their idea. Estonian Social Democrats, led by Peter Speck and Gottlieb Ost, managed to found the Estonian Social Democratic Workers' Community which was based on national principles and did not find it necessary to belong to the RSDWP. In the future Russian Federal Republic, they demanded autonomy for Estonia, with its own parliament and government. The influence and membership of the Estonian Social Democratic Workers' Community increased rapidly. The Manifesto of 17 October also resulted in the first trade unions of workers founded in Tartu and Tallinn. The resolutions from the meeting of the people's representative increased the revolutionary mood. In several places, local governments were taken over. Thus, the Valise Republic and the Moisakula Republic were proclaimed. When, at the beginning of December, another general strike broke out in Tallinn, the authorities introduced stricter measures. Meetings were forbidden. The leaders of the socialist and the workers' movement were arrested. 
and martial law was imposed in Tallinn and the Haryu district. Instead of the expected abatement, this only increased unrest among the people. On 12 December, about a hundred armed workers from Tallinn went to plunder manors. They called on local landless peasants to join them. The furniture of manor houses were smashed, valuable items were looted, and buildings were burnt down. The destruction mainly took place in North Estonia, especially in the Haryu, Yarva, and Lanama districts, but also in Pernu district. Altogether, 160 estates were pillaged, 70 of them in Haryu district. Some distilleries were smashed and destroyed. No physical harm was done to the landlords. In order to end the disorder, the central administration sent additional troops to the Baltic gubernias. Martial law was imposed in the whole country. A governor general for the Baltic region was commissioned. Local administration, including justices, passed into the hands of the military. In Estonia, punishment troops were led by the generals Bezobrazov and Orlov. They shot more than 300 people without any preliminary investigation or trial. The squad led by the squire von Sievers became notorious for executing 53 people in Viljandi alone. In addition to those executed by punishment troops, on the spot, more than 500 people were sentenced to death by tribunals. The majority of them managed to hide themselves, and the sentence was later overturned by civil courts. For instance, the, the death sentence passed by Konstantin Potts was replaced by a year in prison. Hundreds of people were sent to penal colonies, imprisoned or exiled. Many received, received public corporal punishment. The goal of the authorities was to return to the pre-revolutionary situation. The earlier concessions were canceled. The parties, societies, and workers' organizations were banned, and several newspapers were closed down. Many leading figures of the events of 1905 were forced to seek asylum abroad. The peak of the revolution had passed, but the following years were still quite restless. In the gubernias of Estonia alone, more than 2,000 different acts of resistance were recorded in 1906. It was only in 1908 that the authorities finally dared to suspend martial law in the Baltic countries. It was replaced by slightly milder, reinforced surveillance, which, which actually did not restore normal political life. Strikes, opposition demonstrations, and political meetings were forbidden. The media was carefully censored for any seemingly disrespectful word towards the authorities a publication could be punished by closure. The trade unions, which had emerged during the revolution, as well as the majority of the political organizations, also remained illegal. The only legal party in Estonia was the Estonian National Progressive Party, led by Jan Tunison, which had to follow strict prescribed restrictions. It was out of the question for the Tallinn group to establish a new party. The Estonian Social Democratic Workers' Community was totally paralyzed, its leaders having immigrated 
or being in prison. The Bolsheviks, who had formed a separate wing of the RSDWP, profited most from the, from the repression of the Estonian socialists. Bolsheviks acted illegally, which made controlling them rather complicated, and the romanticism of the underground struggle brought them many new recruits. The internationalist view of the Bolsheviks suited the Russian workers brought to live in Estonia. They were not interested in the nationalist endeavors of Estonian Mensheviks. A lot of Estonian workers also took the side of the Bolsheviks. In 1913, in Narva, a Bolshevik newspaper, Kir, started to appear, edited by the lawyer Jan Anvelt. Following the Manifesto of 17 October 1905, in Estonia, great expectations were put on the representative body of people, the Duma. In the Duma, assembled in 1906, five representatives from Estonia were elected, four Estonians and one Russian, with the Baltic Germans not represented. This was a great victory in under the circumstances. In general political issues, the Estonian representative supported the Russian Constitutional Democrats, or the cadets. While on, on national questions, a coalition with the representatives of the ethnic minorities was formed. The government did not take the Duma seriously from the very beginning. The first bill submitted to the parliament was an act about laundry at Tartu University. The Duma, which showed signs of opposition, was dissolved before it began to start to work. The fate of the Second Duma was no better. It was dissolved on 3rd January 1907, and a more reactionary election law was adopted. According to this, three representatives of the Baltic Germans and only two Estonian representatives made it to the Third and Fourth Dumas. Bills submitted by the Estonian or Latvian representatives were not supported by the reactionary majority of the Duma and were turned down. Thus, all hopes of reform via the parliamentary representative body failed. The special board, established by the Governor-General of the Baltic region to reduce social tension, did not do any better. Bills on land, county, church, law, and school reforms submitted by the Baltic Germans did not meet even the hum humblest expectations of Estonians. And in 1907, the special board was dissolved. In these years, Estonians were successful only at the level of local government. In addition to the town councils in Volga and Tallinn, the Baltic Germans were removed from the town governments of Voru, Hapsulu, Pernu, and Rockvere. And that's where we will leave this episode for today. When next we meet, we will cover the period during the First World War, and we'll also cover cultural development at the end of the 19th and beginning of the 20th century, before we go on to learn about the beginning of statehood. So I'm looking forward to that. If you have any questions, please reach out. And until we meet next time, Nagamisini. <laughs>